Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To start within your means and, and, and build it up. You know, what people need to understand is that you buy one little house or a little apartment as time goes on and the values keep rising, which, you know, over time, I I believe they do. Um, uh, You you end up with free equity in there, you know, and that allows you to free that up and, and buy something bigger. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're keeping the conversation going with founder of development company Urban DC, Danny Chiama. He will diverge his strategy so you can build your portfolio by identifying the right locations and starting small and discuss why people need to lower their expectations when looking to buy a property. So, what held him back from beginning to build his monopoly empire as a property investor and developer? You know, I always had um, faith in, in the investment vehicle. I always had faith in property. Um, but in, in terms of actually getting getting into it, the, the barrier to entry was, was money. Um, you know, back then, uh, it, it wasn't so much the know-how. You are, you're learning every time. I'm still learning today. But I never felt like I didn't have the know-how. It was more just, well, how the, how the hell do I buy my first apartment so I can renovate it? Or how do I buy that first house so I can knock it down and build two townhouses? So it was always about that. It's always scrambling around trying to find the capital. Um, so, yeah, that was probably the main thing that held me back. It was never um, lack of knowledge. It was never... Uh, you know, the fear of, of not wanting to do it or the fear of failing, it was always just, you know, having the capital to do it. This is a common issue with many aspiring property investors. Chiama says that to overcome this, you need to start small. People have high expectations today. Um, I think you, you need to, the, the, the way to overcome it is to not, not strive to have the luxury home in Rose Bay for your first house, right? Um, or Turak or whatever it is, um, you need to start small and build it up. There's no get-rich-quick schemes. There's no, um, you know, magic bullet, so to speak. It's it's hard work and it's time, right? It's, you know, people say, oh, we need to time the market. No, it's, it's not timing the market. It's time in the market, right? Um, so, you know, Sometimes you have to sacrifice where you want would like to live and the type of house you'd like to live in. You know, you might have to move out of town, out of the city, um, to a cheaper location, and and build a and and buy a, a cheaper property that may need some work. You know, I was always lucky because I was always able to turn my hand to renovating. Not everyone is like that, um, and I always found 
you know, the unpolished diamond or the ugly duckling in the street that was cheaper than all the other buildings and, and was able to sort of value add it. So the only way I can suggest is that you just have to start within your means and, and, and build it up. You know, what people need to understand is that you buy one little house or a little apartment as time goes on and if the values keep rising, which, you know, over time I, I believe they do, um, uh, you, you, ha- you end up with free equity in there, you know, and that allows you to free that up and, and buy something bigger. And then as time goes on, you, you end up with more free equity and you just move on. Um, and that's how you do it. Some resources which have helped him in his journey included books by Jan Summers and Hernando de Soto, which focus on both mindset and strategy. Back then at the time when I read Jan Summers' book, I'd read heaps of books. So it really is about mindset. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm very proud of my uh, my library. I've got, you know, just about every book that's been written out there about wealth and strategies and um, and you know mindsets and you know think and grow rich and all, all those types of books. Um, I've read them, you know, and you need to. And I don't I don't believe that every strategy in every book is is right and that you should just follow every strategy. But it's just building up a compendium in your mind and, and, and building up that mindset. It's just constantly thinking about it um, and and just, yeah, getting confident in, in knowing. By reading so many books, I mean, you know, if you're well-read, you're generally good at something. So um, by reading so many of those books, you start to think like that. I mentioned Jan Summers' book because that was about strategy and idea, right? But the other thing about that book was it sets the scene on, um, you know, society where you sit today and, What's in store for you if you're, you know, working a nine-to-five job? And, you know, what, what are you going to have when you retire? Well, you're not really going to have much except the, the pension to look forward to, right? Um, and, and that really set the scene and that, that was really profound for me because it sort of it, it sort of explains really well the reasons why you need to build wealth and, you know, property investment is one vehicle to achieve that. There's one called, um, which I loved, called The Mystery of Capital. Um, by, I hope I say it correctly, but or pronounce it correctly, Hernando de Soto. Um, that was a great book because what it talks about was, um, you know, the, the, the mysterious capital. Why are some countries wealthy and others not, you know? And why do countries like Africa that have so much wealth under their ground, within the land, why are they poor, you know, whereas other countries... Uh, are wealthy and you know uh, there's a lot of things spoken about in this book but one of the the overriding things that I took away from it was the um the legal system the Westminster you know the British Western world legal system that allows um people to unlock the value of their land by way of the the titling system so there's you know I just read lots of books that sort of you know have different angles on on capital and property and and um thinking, you know, thinking rich. Like there's another one called Your Money or Your Life, you know, transforming your relationship with money and achieving financial independence. So there's a whole range of books like that that just sort of get you into um, the mindset. Another one, How to Think Like a Millionaire. Yeah. There's another one. So there's another one, um, The Richest Man in Babylon. That's a famous book. And it's all about just putting aside your savings, you know. To condition his mindset, Chiyama socialises with those who have his same love of property. You tend to hang around like-minded people. So, 
my mentors are my peers and some are older, more experienced, some are younger, um, more energetic, you know. So you, you, you tend to um, – it's like anything, you know, if you're interested in classic cars, you hang around people who have classic cars. So if you're interested in, you know, uh, being healthy and sporty, you sort of hang around gymnasiums and talk to people, you know, about fitness. So um, you tend to sort of, in, in my career, throughout my career, um, all my friends are in the same industry, you know. I've got friends outside of the industry, but my colleagues and close friends that I deal with every day are in the industry. You're always swapping notes. You're always bouncing off each other. Um, and some of them are older and have been there, walked the walk long before you did and, and, and give you, you know, their, share their experiences. In terms of Chiama's strategy for creating high-end property developments, the first thing he believes developers need to consider is the most suitable locations. It's really just understanding the right locations um, because w- what happens is, and, and that's slowly changing as, as this type of um, owner-occupier product becomes more and more prevalent, but um, th- there's only, see, if you, if you um, develop a three-bedroom apartment, let's say it's 140 square metres, right, um, and I'm talking sort of Melbourne terms now, Sydney, it's different again. Um, you know, that could be anywhere between 10,000 a square metre to 15,000 a square metre, right? In Sydney, it could be, you know, 15 to 30, right, depending on where you are. Um, so that's quite a big price point. So um, if you're talking Melbourne, for instance, you, you know, you can't expect to go to a suburb where the median house price is 700,000, 800,000 and build a three-bedroom apartment where you have to get at least 10 a metre or 9 a metre to make it stack up um, and therefore you're selling it for $1.4 million or $1.3 million. It's just not going to work because it's, it's, all, it's all about price parity. Um, and that's why you find owner-occupier apartments tend to spring up in the sort of more affluent blue-chip type suburbs um, where, you know, the price parity is such that you know, the downsizers might have a house worth $3 million. They can sell that and afford an apartment for $1.5 or $1.6 or whatever, $2 million. Um, and, and that changes depending on the suburb. If the suburb has a median price, so, you know, if you're in Point Piper and the median is whatever it is, I don't know what it is, $5 million or $10 million, whatever the median is, you know, it's, it's, you, you can afford a more expensive um, apartment. And that all comes down to, you know, that distills down to the land price. Right, because it, um, and that's the economics of it. So, first, first and foremost, is you need to find the right suburbs and the right locations that have a catchment of downsizers that have the ability to sell their home and move into that location or move within that location. Because most people want to be close by; they don't want to move too far from where they've lived, they've you know raised their children. Um, so that's that's number one. And then obviously, it's it's all it's all. All the other things that go with it, it's 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 choosing the right apartment design, the right floor plan, um, the right look of the building, um, the the amenity within the apartment, the the appliances, you know, the finishes, all of that. As to calculating the cost of a finished product of an apartment, he says it's all market driven. You know, you talk to several agents or, you know, one or two trusted agents and, and you get a feel for what that market is. And when you're in the groove, you sort of know. You know, you know that, and and it you know when the market's rising, it's it's always inching up, and you say, oh, geez, that project, you know, down the road by that developer, you know, 
reached 12,000 a metre in Malvern. Oh, shoot, that, really? That's amazing. And then, you know, two months go by and says, oh, guess what? You know, around the corner, they're getting 13, you know. And you sort of get, get a feel for the market. Um, and, you know, sometimes when it's being pushed too much. And um, so, you know, you, you always talk to agents. You get an average of what they're saying. You, you know, you put it into your FISO and... And hopefully you get more by the time you, you're ready to sell because you've you've spec'd it up and you've you know and the product is a nice product and you've done a beautiful design and the location's good and and hopefully the market accepts that and and sees what you see and you know what you saw in it and you get the top dollar. Um, it's not it's not a function of this is my cost so there I've got to add you know twenty percent margin on it um, and this is what I need to get. That's what happens sometimes. Some developers do that, but I, I think. That's a bit fake. You've got to start from the values and know what the market is, and then work backwards and hope that you and, and work and, and and work it in such a way where you know you hope to get a margin. So, how would Chiyama handle a situation where he's not able to sell when the market turns? I've never been in a situation like that, but it happens. Um, and there's been you know many many instances that I can. Uh, that I know of where sites have come back onto the market. You know, they've stalled. Developers have made assessments. More often than not, it's not the market that's turned. It's they've, they've made the wrong assumptions, you know. They've bought a site where they, you know, it's, it's $10,000 a square metre every day of the week and they've probably thought that they can get 12. And then, you know, they've gone through the whole planning permit. They've, they've spent a heap of money on it. Uh, on the marketing, the whole thing, and then they, and then all the agents are saying, no, we can't get you 12, it's 10, or we might push to 11, but that's as far as we can go and the project doesn't stack up. And a lot of those instances you see, you know, there's those sites hit the market again, you know, they're, they're sold with a permit. Now, sometimes it's because the market's risen, you know, a lot, the developers are trying to cash in and thought, you know, why should I go through all the pain and risk of developing when I can make a nice little profit by just selling the land. That happens. But 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 it's that's not always the case. Sometimes they're selling it because they can't make it work. And and, and the agents are throwing ridiculous prices on the land because they're trying to recoup all their co- what they paid plus the stamp duty, plus their interest, plus their planning costs, their marketing costs. They're trying to recoup all that back and load it onto the land price and it doesn't stack up. Then you look at it and you, you just know, you go, this is a ridiculous price. It's not going to work. Coming up after the break, we'll delve deeper into Chiama's thoughts on the future of Australian property development. Within Australia, the Eastern Seaboard will become more and more like New York um, in terms of um, service-related type buildings. What he's excited about for the next five years? I love the process and I love seeing the finished product. I'm always excited about that next site, you know, what's that next site going to be, what's that next building going to look like. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shump and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, I just wanted to let you know about the podcast show notes I've created for you that you can download at freepropertyresource.com. Inside these show notes, I've included a full summary, details of the resources recommended plus much, much more. Just go to freepropertyresource.com to grab it now. It's free and it'll make the rest of the episode so much more impactful. Again, that's freepropertyresource.com. Now back to the show. Look, 
Looking at the future of property development in Australia, Chiama envisions an emulation of the Big Apple. I do think that we will become more and more like New York. Um, I think, you know, I've, I develop in both Melbourne and Sydney and I, I feel um, Melbourne seems to be more ahead of the curve than Sydney in terms of um, creating product and, and design. Um, that's not it's not an argument who's better, right? It's just I just feel Melbourne is uh, is a tougher market and it's, I don't know, it just feels like it's ahead of the curve. Uh, I feel both, um, you know, within Australia, the Eastern Seaboard will become more and more like New York um, in terms of um, service-related type buildings, um, mixture of hotel rooms within um, apartment buildings, concierge. It's more service-related, I think, you know, um, as time goes on. I think that's where people are going generally, you know. People want more time to spend either working to make the money to pay for the services or relaxing and, you know, having their ironing done for them, having the cleaner, you know, having someone who opens the front door when they walk in, having someone who washes their car. I just think there's going to be more of that, more overlaid, not just a, an apartment building with a front door. It's going to be – there's going to be services added into it, I I feel. That's that's where I see it happening. As, as the market becomes more mature and sophisticated. Along with those driving factors, he believes there's a large market for people who want to live closer to the CBD. Everything goes through cycles, you know. Cities, the cities are um, getting more and more populated um, ever since, um, say, Melbourne, for instance, postcode 3000 came about. I can't remember when that was, early 90s, where, you know, back then it was just office buildings and retail. The city was dead at night. You know, come 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, it was like a ghost town. Um, and the council turned that around and, you know, wanted to induce more development in the city and have a look at it, it's, it's booming. So it now, it now becomes a 24-7 city. You know, the workers go away during the day, but the people come home into their apartments at night, so it's 24-7. Um, and that helps the retail and it makes it more safer and lively, you know. Um, and I just think that will continue to happen. The demographics of this target market is also part of the reason why Chiama continues to develop in areas close to the cities. People, suburbs are always pegged to distance to the CBD, aren't they? Um, and um, the good ones are always sort of closer and accessible. Um, generally, the people who have money to buy those apartments, you know, generally work in the city or close to, um, generally have the high-paying jobs to be able to support that purchase um, or are semi-retired anyway or fully retired but still want to be close by. Um, I mean, there's no coincidence that, you know, all the, all the nice suburbs in all the cities um, are close to the city. You know, you get the odd ones that are out further further out. Um, you get those pockets. But generally speaking, it's like a, a shockwave effect, you know. The closer in, the, the more valuable your suburb is and as it goes out. So um, that, I think it's just a function of that. You know, it's not more about... It's not about me wanting to be in the CBD or developing close to the CBD. It's just choosing those suburbs that are sought after, that have the demographic. They just tend to be near the CBD. Chiama attributes his success to training and educating himself to know every element of the developing process. I would sort of say my, my biggest trait um, is is that I'm relentless, you know, um, it sounds a bit OCD, but, you know, I make sure that by the end of every day, there's not one email that's come into my inbox that I haven't either actioned or read and understood, you know. Um, I can't 
sleep at night knowing that I get bombarded by all these emails and I can't sleep at night knowing that uh, I haven't read them or there's something urgent that needed actioning and I haven't done it. Um, so I always clean up my inbox and I was like that in the early days when we didn't have email. I used to always make sure my intro was empty before I left the office. Um, and I used to see other project managers around me, my, my peers, you know, they would just be floundering. You'd see their inbox just overflowing and they weren't performing and they were just getting cogged down. So um, what I do is I clear the day, right? Sure, there's always a little bit of unfinished business, but I clear the day and what that allows me to do is jump on the front foot the next day and start chasing people um, up on emails I'd sent the day before um, and or actioning new items. So it allows you to move forward. You know, if you don't do that, you just get clogged up and you won't get results and you start spinning around and doing donuts. So that's probably my trait. So if he met himself from 10 years ago, what would he say? Given though I was developing, say, 10 years ago, um, you know, it was always, it was hard. I was still trying to, you know, it was hitting, hitting the ground running and um, I'll just say, look, you know, just hang in there and, and keep going. Um, uh, you know, all these difficulties you're finding on your projects, you get through them and you learn from them and you get stronger, you know, just keep going um, and, and don't sell. For the next five years, Chiame is excited to continue doing what he's doing and seeing where his property journey leads him. I love the process and I love seeing the finished product. I'm always excited about that next site, you know, what's that next site going to be? What's that next building going to look like? Um, what, I, what I really love doing is, you know, identifying a site and working out what, what's the right product to put on it, um, coming up with, a, with an apartment plan, a spec, um, a colour scheme, you know, working together with the architect um, but, but, and then, you know, being satisfied with it. But what I really love um, seeing is that purchasers come, you know, to the display suite at the sales stage and fall in love with that vision, you know. That's, that's what's priceless. When you come up, when you create something from your mind and you put it all on, on paper um, and purchasers come along and absolutely fall in love with that vision, you know, so that's what I enjoy. To connect with Danny Chiama or find out more about his development projects at Urban DC, you can check out his website. So I've got um, the urbandc.com.au website. You can check that out and keep up with um, what I've got going. You know, um, you can um, subscribe and be kept, be you know, updated from time to time um, as to what I'm up to. Yeah. Thank you to Danny Chiama, our guest on this episode of Property Invest Story. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Danny Chiama and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.